May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be always acceptable and pleasing in your sight, O God, our Savior and Redeemer. Amen. (laughs) I've waited 20 years to do this. Been a priest in this diocese for 20 years. It's the first chance I've had to preach out of this big old pile uh, in that whole time. I've done lots of even songs, but this is the first time in 20 years that I've gotten to preach here to you all. I'm delighted to be here. Um, but when uh, the dean called me a few months ago, or emailed me a few months ago, and asked me if I would preach, I said, oh, "Of course, that would be fun." Um, And then I looked at the Sunday he assigned me, and I thought, well, now that's karma. (laughs) Because for my 35 years of ministry, I will assure you I've done everything possible to avoid preaching on the last Sunday of the Epiphany. Whenever I had assistance, it was almost but not quite part of their contract that they preached on this Sunday. And if I didn't have assistance, I always managed to be on vacation or to be on retreat in preparation for Lent. <laughs> I've, 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 I've never really known what to preach on this Sunday. I've always struggled with it. Um, you know, four or five times I've preached that old sermon where, you know, you go, you life, you go up on the mountaintop, and then you gotta come back in the valley. Okay, that's good. Um, and, 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 but I've, I've just always tried to avoid it. I don't quite know what to do with this story. If you don't know, um, in our liturgical tradition, in our lectionary, we come together on the last Sunday of the Epiphany, or you can also call it the Sunday before Lent begins, and we hear this story. We hear one of the versions, gospel versions, of this event where Jesus goes up on some mountain in the Galilee, he goes up with Peter, James, uh, and John, and there's this uh, numinous event, this revelation on the mountaintop, and it's always this Sunday. Uh, No matter how many Sundays Epiphany is, how many Sundays we have to cover between uh, the glow, long ago glow of Christmas and the imminent whatever of Lent, we always hear this story to bring the epiphany season to a close. This week, or a couple of weeks ago, as I was preparing myself to preach this Sunday that I've always tried to avoid, I came across an old story and I suddenly saw a connection. I hope I saw a connection. It's an old story, I bet a lot of you already know it, About 90 years or so ago, there was a rich Wall Street guy named Bill who was drowning in his desperate addiction to alcohol. And he was terrified by the delirium tremens he was experiencing, so he checked himself for the fourth time into the town's hospital in New York City to try to get cleaned up. And at that time, the current treatment for alcoholics consisted of doses of belladonna, cathartics, and heavy sedation because it was considered to be a mental illness. A mental illness. Bill believed he was nearing death, and the doctors did not disabuse him of that notion. 
He was not a man of faith, but an old drinking buddy of his named Ebby, who had gotten sober by getting religion, told him that even if he did not believe there was any God, what harm could it do to pray to whatever God there might be for some relief, that old um, bargain? Well, God, Bill decided to give it a try, and one night in his hospital room, he prayed. Or more accurately, he demanded, if there be a God, let him show himself. It's a different feel, so I think you're right. Bill later described that moment, and I quote, the place seemed to light up, blinding white. I knew only ecstasy and seemed to be on a mountain. A great wind blew, enveloping and penetrating me. To me, it was not of air, but of spirit. Blazing, there came a tremendous thought, almost a voice. You are a free man. The sense of divine presence remained after that, but the rapture subsided. It was fragile. Soon, my so-called reason returned, my modern education took over, and I thought, I must be crazy. And I became terribly frightened. Fortunately, that night, there was at the hospital a little doctor who loved drunks. He convinced me I wasn't crazy. Maybe there was something to this experience. If that night he had used the word hallucination or dream, I might now be dead. Time magazine named Bill Wilson one of the most 100, one of the 100 most important people of the 20th century because of the movement he started. Today, there are millions, maybe tens of millions of friends of Bill in the world, and Alcoholics Anonymous is probably the largest spiritual movement in the United States, if not the world. And what I find fascinating is it's all there in Wilson's story. The light, the rapture, the voice, just like this morning's gospel. Now, I've never had an experience like that, never in my life. And most of us, I suspect, have never had such a fundamental transformative experience, like the transfiguration of Jesus and the transformation of Bill Wilson. And so when I hear or encounter stories like this, I have this strange mixed of feelings. And what comes first is skepticism. That seems an awful lot like a hallucination or a dream to me. Well, the next thing I might think is I feel some envy. I feel some envy. How come these guys get to have this experience, but I never have? But mostly, what I end up feeling is longing, a longing to be enveloped like Peter and James and John were in the overwhelming presence of God, a longing to have my bedeviling doubts driven away, 
by such a powerful experience, an experience of divinely induced ecstasy. But as I reflect on those experiences that I haven't had, it occurred to me, what really happened to Peter, James, and John? What happened to Bill Wilson? What happened to Paul on the road to Damascus? What happened to Muhammad on Jebel Anur? Or the Buddha under the banyan tree? What happened to those many, many folks over the years who have shared with me their own experiences of transformation or transfiguration, stories that sound so much like this morning's mountaintop. What really happens when people have these life-shaking encounters with God? And I think, I humbly think it is really simple. People open their eyes. People see, or they are made to see. They see the reality that is always before them, the reality that is always real, the truth that is eternally true, the light they could not see or would not see. When Peter, James, and John saw Jesus standing with Moses and prophet Elijah, they saw what they already knew, that Jesus was fulfilling the law and the prophets. When they heard the voice speak, they, already, they only heard what they had already intuited, that Jesus was uniquely and intimately connected to God. When Bill Wilson heard the voice in his hospital room say, you are a free man, this wasn't a new fact. This was his fundamental reality. And every one of these experiences, every experience I've ever heard about such transfiguring encounters with the divine, I would say is really an exclamation point. An exclamation point on a reality that is always true. A reality fully expressed in the words spoken from heaven. This is my son, my chosen. Those words declare not only the identity of Jesus, but your and my identity too. This season of epiphany that comes to a close today, as you remember, began in the warm glow of Christmas with the visit of the Magi to the infant Jesus and his parents. And throughout this season, Every Sunday, you have heard, we have heard another gospel, the point of which is to manifest. That's what epiphany means, to manifest, make manifest, show forth. And every story, every gospel we've heard on the Sundays up to this point in the season of epiphany has been about manifesting to us, showing forth to us who this Jesus is. It's not just a rabbi. He's not just a teacher. He's not just a revolutionary. He is the Son of God for whom we have longed and waited. But I've always felt like epiphany. There's epiphany with a big E this season, and there's an epiphany with a little E. 
Big E Epiphany, this is who Jesus is. Little E Epiphany, this is who you are. And the same voice that began, we heard on the first Sunday of Epiphany and that we hear on this last Sunday of Epiphany speaks to you and me as well. You and I are the children of God. But oh, how we manage to bury that reality. We deny it, we mar it in ourselves and in others. We lard it over that beautiful reality with all manner of illusions, the illusions of status or wealth or fashion or reputation or power. We eat, we drink, we smoke, we gamble, even exercise to ridiculous excess. We point over there at those ignorant, wrong people and consider ourselves better than they. And all this mess, we expend absurd amount of energy and sums of money, but none of it adds or detracts one iota to the only true reality. You are my child. You are my chosen. They are my child. They are my chosen. And God is pleased with us all. What Bill Wilson discovered, what his eyes were open to, what millions of addicts of all kinds have discovered since, is how to strip away all of that garbage and to stand naked before God, however they understand God, and admit that they are powerless. And in that step, which seems so terrifying and humiliating, comes the insight that leads to recovery, comes the insight and the transfiguring confrontation with the only unalterable, undeniable truth. You are my child, you are my chosen, and I am pleased with you, and you are free. We listen to this story on the Sunday before Lent because that simple reality, that astonishing reality, that truth is the whole point of the Lenten journey that lies ahead. You and I are the sons and daughters of God, and the Lenten journey is meant to recall us to that. Jesus' first response to the divine voice proclaiming him the Son of God was to retreat into the desert for 40 days and 40 nights to wrestle with what this could possibly mean. And we will mirror that journey we will retreat in a few days into the wilderness of Lent to strip ourselves of the things that hide and mar our identity, our reality as God's sons and daughters. Bill Wilson's great epiphany was merely the first of what would become known as the 12 steps, one of the greatest spiritual exercises in history. And as every person who has ever embarked on the 12 steps will tell you, those halting steps are walked every day, one day at a time. This is my child. This is my chosen. So the voice declared to Jesus on the mountain. So it declared Peter, James, and John. So it declared Bill Wilson and countless drug addicts, 
alcoholics and all-around train wrecks ever since, so it declares you. You are my son. You are my daughter. You are my chosen. Hear these words today spoken directly to you. Let them bathe you in divine light. Let them propel you into the coming Lent. And let them bless and renew the life you are already living. Let your eyes be opened and see the truth of who Jesus is and who you are. See and be transfigured. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.